You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of recruiting, Mike Farrell. The magic underwear is not working, and that's not our fault. And national recruiting analyst, Adam Gorney. We're like a 1-800 number almost. That's right. Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. My name is Dave Barry, producer of the show. I'm joined by the aforementioned Adam Gorney and Mike Farrell. Guys, uh, we had a lot of coverage yesterday for the early signing period, the first time ever that we had that early signing period. So we weren't quite sure how it was going to go. But Gorney, you and I were in the studio in L.A. doing a lot of coverage there. And Farrell, we talked to you via Skype um, to kind of break down the whole entire day. Um, so let me just get your your thoughts first, Mike, on on how that day went. It, to me, it seemed like it wasn't quite like National Signing Day. It didn't have that same feel to it. But a lot of guys signed, and now there's there's not a whole a lot of guys left that will you know maybe make their decision in February. But w- what did you think about the day overall? Yeah, I think it's a I think it's the new signing period essentially. I think it's going to take over. Um, I have to say it's a success. I mean, all the work that was done to to lead up to it. Now that coaches know that this is going to be a big deal, they'll change the way they approach things and they won't be scurrying around as much as they were. <clears throat> you know, they'll change their recruiting strategy throughout the season. They'll get out to more schools, I think, during the season when they can. It's going to be difficult because you have to juggle the football season. You have to juggle practice. You have to juggle bowl practice. You have to juggle early enrollment and, and, and having the signing date so close to the next signing date. And then the coaching carousel is going to make it difficult. It's a lot of hard work for them, but it was so successful. There were so many kids. I think 67% of our rivals 250 signed, and there's still a couple more to go. Um, most of the three-star kids signed. So I would say you're up in about 75 to 80% of kids signed, and that was yesterday. We still have a couple days left. Um, I think this is replacing February, not, not eliminating February, just replacing it as the bigger day. Um, but there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. You know, okay, so this would be the first time we're ever at All-Star Games where kids are signed and recruiting other kids. What's the NCAA's take on that? How, how are they, are they cool with that? Um, you know, there's a whole lot of, there's going to be a lot of weird stuff going on. When we go to registration day at the Army Bowl or Under Armour, uh, All-America game, you know, 80% of the kids are going to be done and signed. It's not like they can even look around or think. So from our perspective, it changes everything we do. I think it's a good thing, um, but, man, it just feels so different. Yeah, it does. Uh, and, and leading up to it, and anybody that's listening to this uh, knows that I hated the early signing period because I thought it was going to – force kids to make decisions and, and all those kinds of things. And I, I think I was wrong about it. I actually liked how yesterday played out. It was very drama free and smooth. Uh, there wasn't just that, you know, zaniness that you always see on signing day, which is probably good for the sport long term. I mean, I think signing day has kind of gotten this reputation of just being the crazy day that people are pulling bulldogs out and flipping schools. And like you said, Mike, Alex Collins, mother running out of school with his papers and none of that happened because a lot of the kids that signed now i still think that happens in february uh with a lot of kids because it it almost seems now in my mind that if you can't make up your mind by december of your senior year then you're probably never going to make up your mind even in february uh you know those those three or four weeks aren't going to really 
change anything. So, um, you know, I, I kind of like it. It does change a whole lot though. Like, you know, it's going to help kids now kind of understand that, you know, I'm recruiting for Florida state or I'm recruiting for Alabama Well, I'm signed to them. So you literally can play with me. It's not like I'm going to be, you know, recruiting you. And then, you know, two weeks later after army or under armor, I'm going to flip somewhere else. And now, you know, we have to think about going somewhere else and all those kinds of things. So it's really going to change a whole lot. And it's going to change a, a lot of these all-star games. Um, like you said, a lot of these kids are already signed. You know, we don't really have to interview them. I mean, it, fr- from our perspective, it's changed a whole lot. And if you go up and down the Rivals 100, the Rivals 250, I believe that there are only eight five-stars who haven't signed already. So there is a good group of uh, of kids that are already off the board. And February's, February used to be so crazy because it was quantity and quality and now it's really just going to be quality uh because all the three stars and all the kids who have been uh committed for so long are off the board completely now you don't even have to consider them anymore so it's going to change a lot for february i think a lot of the kids who didn't sign yesterday regret it and so uh i think february this year is still going to be big but it could start fading away and and everybody could start making decisions in december now well, you talked about the, the kids who who maybe regretted not signing yesterday. We still have two days left in the period. Do you think we'll see any any sort of uh, craziness or unexpected moves in the, these next two days? I don't. I, I think kids have resigned themselves to February if they're going to do February because a lot of kids, and it's really just kind of, it's going to be a change in mentality and just a, a kind of thinking that a lot of kids still think those January visits are still so important and so crucial. And one of the things of why February is going to be important, I think, still moving forward is a lot of high school coaches don't want their kids taking visits every weekend during the season. So it's almost impossible for Amon Ross St. Brown to be on the road every weekend. And and kids don't want to do that either. It, you think it's fun until you play a game Friday night, you go to the airport late Friday night, you don't sleep on the plane. Saturday is constant motion. Then Sunday you have to get back on a plane, fly home, then be in school Monday morning. It's not all that fun, really. So uh, a lot of kids like to wait until January, have the coaching staff settled, uh, take their visits through January, and then make a decision. So I still think it's going to be an important day. Um, but it, I think it could be one of those days where the December uh, signing period is is the more important one because it's it's really quantity and quality that day. Yeah, and the other thing about and Luke Ford is a top tight end in the country is going to announce today. So uh, Terrace Marshall is announcing tomorrow. <clears throat> there will be a few others, and it allows the teams that are successful, and we'll get into Georgia in a second here, to sort of squeeze kids even more because now we know exactly how many scholarship spots we have left. Before it was like we're running out of room. I don't know if we're going to be able to fit you in. Now you can tell them, listen, we had such a successful early signing day that I don't have room <clears throat> if you want to take this into January. So we saw Channing Tindall last night decide. Uh, Nadab Joseph flipped from Alabama to Georgia. There's some academic issues in there as well. But Georgia was able to take their success and say to these guys, because Luke Ford could end up choosing Georgia as well today, um, you better hop on because now we know exactly how many scholarships we have left. And, uh, it's not really a guessing game. And I think it's going to eliminate all the stupid 
visits that were unnecessary in, in the month of January. We all know when kids get together at these all-star games, they talk to each other and it's like, oh man, you got to come and visit Auburn. I'm committed to Auburn or I'm going to Auburn on you know, the 18th or whatever. Oh yeah, I'm going to take that visit too. And they start taking visits that just aren't necessary. And I'm not using Auburn as an example. It's just every school out there, um, you know, yeah, they take free visits to hang well, out. Yeah, with each and other. they get together for a week at Under Armour Army. They bond. They talk. Oh, you're going to Florida State on on the weekend of the 23rd. I'm going to go then too, um, even though you know the kid's already committed. And how many kids did we have come through registration line when we were doing interviews and we asked them, you know, what percentage are you committed? A hundred percent. Are you taking other visits? Yeah. yeah, I'm taking three other visits in yeah. January. And they end up sticking with the school they're committed to. Those visits are worthless. But now we don't even have to ask that question. Are you 100% committed? Because now they have the answer. They signed. You're 100% committed. Guess what? You can't play any more games. So I, that's why I think the early signing period was a good thing. I still don't like the timing of it, but I think it's a good thing overall. So let's get to Georgia real quick. I mean, that was ridiculous what happened. It just kept going into the evening. Um, you know, Nadab Joseph flips, Channing Tindall. Now we got Luke Ford possibly going to Georgia. I mean, they moved from number three up to number one, uh, and they are number one by a lot right now. 4.09 average star ranking. This is next level Georgia recruiting. Six, five stars. Um, I think only Alabama did that once. I have to look back, but, uh, and, and legit four stars too. I mean, Brenton Cox, who I, I think is very, very talented kid getting Cade Mays, uh, was, was obviously huge and, and credit Tennessee's disaster of a coaching search and mess for, for getting Cade Mays in this class, but keeping James Cook, Adam Anderson, people feel is like a future star. Justin Fields, a lot of people think might be the best quarterback in the class, if not one or two. So he's he's right there. Uh, a lot of people love John Fitzpatrick at tight ends. Zemir White. I mean, down the list. I'm going down the list right now, and it's just absolutely loaded. They got you know everything they wanted. Uh, it was a phenomenal finish for them. They did everything that they were supposed to do. They kept the in-state guys, you know, locked up. They flipped Nadab Joseph. They Got uh, Devod Wilson, the former Florida commit, the former Tennessee commit, Cade Mays. You know, they got the number one player in North Carolina, Tennessee. Uh, they got the number two player in Georgia. They got one of the top players from Florida. So they did everything possible. It, it was one of those things that uh, you didn't have to say Georgia was having a good day. It just became completely obvious that they were dominating in every way. Yeah, and the number two player in Georgia happens to be the number two player in the country, just behind number one. In the country, know, so yeah, right. That's impressive as well. And and I think Alabama holds the record for most five stars with seven. I think they did that two years ago, or maybe it was last year. Um, but a couple of those guys, at least one of those guys was a JUCO. Uh, you got Brenton Cox, who's right on the verge of being a five star. We always usually end up adding about five or six five stars after the all-star period, they could break the record for most five stars. They could break the record for most points. I mean, this is just, this is Alabama recruiting is what this is. And this is going to set up very nicely between Alabama and Georgia for those recruiting battles between, you know, Nick Saban and his, uh, his heir apparent, apparently in Kirby smart. And I think Clemson, Georgia is going to be a great recruiting battle to follow as well. So 
It was an exciting day if you're a Georgia Bulldog. It, it wasn't so exciting for Ohio State. Uh, they lost Jackson Carmen out of state, which was very surprising, um, using Urban's age against him and his health against him. <clears throat> and then they lost Jaden Woodby to Florida State late. Uh, Emory Jones, we all knew, was decommitting, but he's technically he was still committed. So that's another loss there. So really weird to see Ohio State. They're number two in the country. Still a great class. Um you know, but it's really weird to see them not close strongly because that's what Urban's known for. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they do uh, leading up to February, um, who they can get. They're already at 21, so they don't have that much room left. Uh, and they have a bunch of fringe five-star guys. Blue Smith is a 6.0. Teron Vincent, a former five-star. Jalen Gill, 6.0. Brian Sneed, 6.0. So, Definitely not like the cupboards are bare there, but uh, it was interesting. Jaden Woodby told me last night he had been committed to Ohio State for so long, loved the defensive back tradition there that they get all those guys in the NFL. And I said, if you didn't commit to Florida State, where would you have gone? He said, USC. So he was committed to Ohio State, but they were his third choice. Um, and, and that's part of the early signing period too. Just, you know, he takes a late visit to Florida state and just falls in love with it. And he had always, it always been his dream school. So he made that decision. So yeah, it was interesting to see because urban usually dominates and would dominate an early signing period. Um, but it, it really felt like yesterday, the day was completely dominated by Georgia and Clemson. There wasn't really even all that much Alabama talk. I don't think that they're in any sort of trouble, um, but you have to watch moving forward. Talk about age. I mean, Nick Saban is the one who they should be negatively recruiting age-wise with. How how much longer can he possibly have? Urban is 11 years younger than him, I think. Um, so uh, if Jackson Carmen believes that Urban Meyer is on the backside of his career, that might be true because he's been coaching for 30 years. Um, but uh, I, I don't think in the next three or four years, Urban Meyer is leaving Ohio State, and so Jackson Carmen shouldn't have been concerned. But it was interesting to see that the Alabamas and the Ohio States, the, the teams that generally usually dominate these days, were kind of took a back seat to uh, Clemson and Georgia. Yeah, and let's be clear. I mean, Jackson Carmen chose Clemson because Clemson's a great, you know, opportunity. They're they're in the playoff for the third straight year. They're the reigning national champions. It's not like he chose, you know, a, an upstart school that's trying to break through. Um, and I don't think I think the the age and health of Urban Meyer was something to focus on because it was reported. But even Carmen himself said it wasn't a big factor. Um, I just right. think he wanted to get away. I think Clemson housing Ohio State last year in the playoff was probably a big yeah, factor. That, that if could any. certainly help in the fact that they're back in the playoff again this year. And, uh, you know, when you go on a visit there, Dabo Sweeney is one of the best recruiters there is. They have a great staff. And uh, Carmen, when he visited with his mom, just fell in love. And remember, he came back from that visit saying Clemson was his leader. None of us believed it because he's a kid who seemed to really like the attention. Um, but I think he was at Ohio State for that weekend that Micah Parsons was there and, and it looked so horrible against Oklahoma. And, you know, maybe he just got a bad feel for for things. So, you know, that's the probably biggest surprise because Nadab Joseph isn't a huge shocker. If he did, if he's not going to qualify, which there's some questions about that, then that's not a stunner. Uh, Jackson Carmen was a stunner because he will qualify and, you know, he'll be heading off to Clemson. But the offensive line help that Georgia got themselves with, with Mays and Sawyer and Trey Hill and remember Isaiah Wilson from last year's a five star who's on that roster. They're just gonna be they're gonna be nasty. I mean they they wanna run the football and do a lot of play action stuff. 
they got the guys to do that because they're just going to be road graders up front. And, uh, you know, picture Notre Dame's offensive line with it, a quarterback who can throw the ball accurately. Um, what I love about Georgia's offensive line class, Mike, is that they're huge, massive guys, but they're not soft at all. They're all like mean, tough kids. I was going to say something there, but thank God oh, I didn't. God. They're just mean, tough kids that want to, you know, plow people over, you know? So I think that they, that class is phenomenal. And for what they want to do, they got exactly who they need to get. Barney had a heck of a commute last night. So that's why he's ready to drop F-bombs on the podcast. He's still angry about the six hours it took him to get home. And I think he's still angry about the length of Jaden Woodby's press conference, which I knew I was waiting to finish my article, you know, cause I'm like, I'll wait till Woodby commits. And then I saw it was moved from five 30 to six, uh, local time, and I'm like, forget this. I mean, this is what time was he supposed to announce? Five thirty. What time did he actually? Five thirty. Yeah, I was on. I was on the road, inching along, and you know, I had it on uh, my phone because I wanted to watch it because I wasn't doing anything else. And uh, except for driving, I'm inching closer to Rancho Cucamonga and Cucamonga. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. I said, I'm going to just drive over there. So I get there, and it was still about another 40 minutes until he committed. I could have stopped and had some dinner. See, that that reminds me of February because, you know, a, a lot yeah, of the stuff it was. that happened yesterday wasn't February-like. You know, there were there were a lot of uh, – there wasn't a lot of, you know, live props or celebrities, you know, making announcements for kids or all that stuff. Um and a lot of the kids were straight to it, you know, like, where are you going to go? I'm going to Georgia. Here's, you know, rip it open my shirt to show a Georgia T-shirt or whatever. But then you get the would-be situation, which was just like, yeah. you, you kind of knew that that was going to take forever. And, uh, and again, that always happens. I mean, what was it? Um, DeAnthony Thomas, wasn't he like... The last one yeah, this he, year. And, he, it was like 9 o'clock, uh, yeah, because he was really torn between uh, USC and Oregon, and that took forever to it. And, and at that point on a signing day when you you know, you know get the 4.30 Pacific wake-up call because you have to be in the office for the East Coast stuff, but by about 7 p.m. you start to seriously lose interest was, in what's know, going listen, on. He knew waking up that day he was going to Oregon. He wasn't torn like where I'm, oh, my God, I don't know what to do, and – would be knew he was going to Florida State the, the moment he woke up. He could have had that press conference in the afternoon. But nobody thinks of us, Gorney. They just don't think about the, the long hours we have to put in slaving away on our little keyboards <laughs> so that we can get these stories out to the masses. So, uh, you know, would be a lot of people found out about that this morning. And that was a big one for Florida State. Now, I just read Adam Friedman, our Mid-Atlantic guy, put up a a tweet saying AJ Litton looks like he's going to sign, looks like he signed his letter of intent and is going to send it into Florida state today. So they had only four, I think four of nine signed or something like that. Now it'll be five of nine, but Florida state definitely one of the losers on the day, other than the would be deal, which was very, very important for them. But you know, Asante Samuel and guys like that, not signing, even though they're committed. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's not, a reflection on Tagger is just the fact that the staff's not together. Like who's staying, who's going, yeah. like what's going to happen? Yeah, no, I think Willie Taggart will be fine as a recruiter, uh, but they have nine commits and that puts them as the only team in our entire team recruiting rankings of a hundred teams or, or more. Cause there are some ties there. 
that don't have double digit commits yet. So um, it's the only team in the country. And that includes Jaden Woodby, who they got last night. So they were at eight. That's what happens um, when your head so, coach stops recruiting in August. Yeah. He knows he, oh, absolutely. He doesn't want to do it anymore, and he knows he's gone. I mean, this this leads me to believe that, you know, Jimbo left and made it look like it was a tough decision back and forth, this, that, and the other. I think he knew this was his last year at Florida State. I think he put in a minimal effort coaching these kids, especially when Francois went down. Um, you could see on the sidelines of games against like Boston College, like teams they should be destroying. Nobody seemed to care. All he wanted to do was yell at his freshman quarterback after each play, yeah. and then get out of town um, because he was so done with Tallahassee. And Taggart's got to clean up a big mess because when you leave recruiting that bad, like Steve Spurrier stopped recruiting his last year and a half at South Carolina, and they're still yeah. recovering from that. So I think Florida State might be recovering from this particular class for a year, a year and a half, and, and Taggart's inheriting a bit of a mess. But everybody's ticked and that's off the real, because Jimbo just stopped recruiting. And, and that's the real concern because they're in the middle of a complete storm there because Miami is recruiting a lot better. Florida State's going to have a tougher time getting down there. Florida with Dan Mullen – will recruit just fine. Um, it sounds stupid to say, but Lane Kiffin has some pull. Charlie Strong can get kids in, to stay in Tampa, possibly. Clemson is dipping in there. Everybody dips into Florida anyway, Alabama, Georgia. I mean, he has a, a lot of problems on his hands uh, getting kids there, especially if next season they struggle again. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, but February is going to – January and February is going to be super busy for them because they have to put some sort of class together. And, and yeah, absolutely. This is Jimbo Fisher just not wanting to do anything and not caring, collecting a paycheck and then moving on and getting a bigger one. So credit to him, but he really left them in the lurch. Well, and he's got some work to do at Texas A&M because they've only got 14 commitments. They lost one yesterday. They didn't really get anybody new. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to work hard in January as well, but you know, everybody will be happier because if Jimbo didn't want to be at Florida state, then, they don't want him there, and if he wants to be at Texas A&M, he'll do a good job recruiting because he is a very good recruiter when he tries. Uh, it's just, you know, now he's got the reputation of a guy who sort of quit on his last team. Now he's got, you know, the old, uh, I won't even say it, he's got the, the, the shove-off money because I don't even think I could say the initials, which is horrible. Like, what kind of podcast is this where we can't curse? I mean, all we want to do is swear today. <laughs> That's it. That's all we want to do, and we can't even do it. We can't even do initials. It's like, I guess I Go ahead. I, I, I can bleep, bleep it. it. Go ahead. No, no, Let no. It fly. It's too much work. But, uh, <laughs> he's got $75 million, so he, he doesn't have to leave Texas A&M in any sort of shape if he doesn't want to. He can mail it in there if he wants to. So we'll see how much pride he has as a coach, uh, you know with the job he does at Texas A&M, but every Florida State fan I know is really ticked off at him quite a bit, and yesterday was an example of uh, how bad shape they are. So other things of note, Texas, you know, getting the top player in, in the state of Texas, and I think arguably the best defensive back class in the country. I mean, it's just ridiculously loaded now that Anthony Cook's on board there. Micah Parsons recommitting to the great Penn State which I'm sure had Gorney doing a little dance. Uh, and then Miami. Miami wasn't in the news because they weren't involved with any new commitments, but they're number five class in the country, and they got most of their kids signed. That's a success. But this is what's weird about it. It's like you're going to get ignored if 
you just do your job. And that's what Notre Dame did yesterday. It's what Miami did yesterday. Um, a lot of these schools that are ranked highly right now did their job, but nobody's talking about them. Yeah, I think Texas is very interesting. Uh, I think I said it yesterday during the during our video stuff that uh, the first time since 2011 that the top player in the state committed to Texas or signed with Texas, first time in Rivals history that the top six players uh, signed with Texas. So that's very surprising. You think Texas has kind of a lock and key on in-state players, and especially during the Mac Brown era where – he would bring in guys for junior days and they would all just commit and he would have his entire class done. That wasn't really necessarily the case. Oklahoma really dipped in there a lot. Florida state up until I think yesterday had more, uh, number one players from the state of Texas signed with them than Texas did during the rivals era. So I think Herman with a six and six season, uh, really convinced a lot of kids that he has it going in the right direction. And it's interesting how they, they put that recruiting class together because it was very defensive focus. So is the thinking uh, in Texas the way to win that conference, have an, have an offense that can score and finally have a Big 12 defense that is legit? Um, you know, they've tried other ways to beat Oklahoma in recent years and it really hasn't, hasn't worked out. Um, I, I think that might be the tact. Micah Parsons... The, the thing that continued to frustrate me yesterday was the Ohio State spin that they stopped recruiting him because he met with Kirk Herbstreet and had to self-report. Come on. They stopped recruiting him because he went to Ohio State on a visit and said that their starting quarterback shouldn't be the starter anymore and Dwayne Haskins should be. And so they probably knew he was going to commit to Penn State and not Ohio State anyway or go to Georgia or Oklahoma but that spin was very impressive that people took the bait on. And then, uh, yeah, that, 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 that was pretty much it. Uh, I still think Clemson with four five-star commits, we have to figure out a way to make five stars more weighted because that, that class is phenomenal. And to, to be 10th just doesn't reflect how good well, they are. Of the numbers, you know, again, you can't, you can't yeah. lower the threshold to 18 because, Everybody will get 18, you know, like 20 is the number. We could change it eventually, but I don't, I, I just think it's look at the average star ranking and you'll be fine. Um, you know, that'll tell you that Clemson is clearly a top five recruiting class. And, and I will tell you this about schools. They love to self-report minor infractions. They love it because it right. shows to the NCAA that they're policing themselves. So any opportunity they have to, to, to send in like, oops, look what we did. You know, it's not – Oops, look what we did. We paid a bunch of players or, you know, we bought houses for kids, <laughs> right. families. It's like, oops, uh, with you, this kid actually took a picture with this kid and this, this former player. And, oh, we're so bad. Slap us on the wrist. We're going to stop recruiting this kid. And, you know, the NCAA falls for that stuff. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why it was publicized that they self-reported. But I don't think they gave up on Parsons because of that tweet. I, I think Penn State actually – ended up winning this battle. Um, I think they were turned off a little bit about his visit. I don't, from what I heard, the visit didn't go that well. And, and, you know, he's an interesting kid, you know, he's definitely outspoken and, and, and feels, feels himself, so to speak. Um, and maybe urban didn't dig that. I don't know, but Penn state got Micah Parsons. He's a freak of nature and they're going to use him all over the field. 
two things on that. Parsons, I read last night. Now, I don't know if this is true. They're going to start him at middle linebacker and see how it works out. And I, I can't wait to see how that that plays out. With, you know, Jason Cabinda and, and down the line of players uh, at linebacker who have been so, so good for them. He has the athleticism. I wonder if they're going to make him a defensive end just out of necessity and need just because he's so talented off the edge too. But at middle linebacker, man, Micah Parsons is going to lay some wood. Um, and, and that that was really interesting. And then the second thing, not to get on this high horse, but isn't it completely ridiculous that it's an NCAA violation for a, a, a high school kid to go onto the ESPN set and meet Kirk Herbstreet and Eddie George, who who were alums of the school of, of which he was visiting? Preferential I mean, treatment. That's just completely obnoxious of course they get preferential, preferential treatment, treatment. what do you think the rest of the weekend is for them it's it's it's, it's outside the bounds of preferential treatment you get they got inside the ropes at college game day that's a big deal nca reps could be up in the uh, president's box having a, a whiskey sour that's not preferential treatment a kid has to sit there sit on the sideline and freeze and talk to nobody preferential treatment <laughs> if you awful. and I went to visit it's Ohio so State, awful. we wouldn't be able to meet Kirk Herbstreit or Eddie George. So you gotta you gotta keep it real, man. You gotta. Speaking of, um, you know, NCA stuff. Ole Miss did very well yesterday. Very yeah. well. Oh yeah, uh, they were one of the winners without a doubt. And um, you know, Elijah Moore brings speed uh, to that offense, which you know they already have speed. They've already got some very talented wide receivers there, but. Uh, that's going to help Matt Corral if he is the guy uh, early. And, uh, you know, just getting a couple guys that they didn't expect to get on the day as well, uh, stealing one from Mississippi State and, you know, on and on. So I think I think we have to mention, even though, you know, Georgia and Clemson sort of steal the headlines, when you're talking about, you know, winners and losers, Old Miss had a very, very good day. And people are going to say, well, you're saying that to make up for all the bad things you've said about Old Miss and you hate Old Miss. And, you know, you guys went deep on Matt Corral the other day. No, I'm just pointing out that Jalen Cunningham wasn't supposed to sign. Uh, he did sign, and that was a big one, a four-star defensive lineman. They flipped James Williams, who's a, a three-star kid from Mississippi State. And Elijah Moore is one of the fastest players in the country out of St. Thomas Aquinas. And, uh, I know it was a mutual parting of ways between uh, Georgia and, and Elijah Moore, but to get him is a big deal. So when we did our winners, Old Miss was up there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when Elijah Moore flipped, I immediately thought, man, another offensive weapon there. I mean, they have A.J. Brown and Metcalf and Van Jefferson and Matt Corral. And uh, it's going to be interesting because they're going to be able to put points on the board. Um, and, and I, I loved Elijah Moore when I saw him earlier this season, little tiny, tiny guy who could play in space and catch the ball. So they have some big receivers. They have some really, you know, competent receivers, some outstanding guys on the outside. And now they have a guy in Elijah Moore, Georgia's, you know, it was a mutual parting of ways I would imagine, but, uh, that's still a very big pickup for Ole Miss. And that offense is going to be exciting to watch. And then it looked like December was great for them. Uh, they got three defensive tackles, obviously a position that they were targeting. Uh, all three are Southeast kids. Jalen Cunningham is absolutely massive. And, and James Williams is a kid that flipped and, and a lot of people like. So, uh, you know, credit to Matt Luke because it's been a struggle uh, the last couple of weeks with all the negative 
attention coming to that program, but they really closed really, yeah, really well. Yeah, and they don't have Van Jefferson anymore. He's he's gone along with Jay Patterson. I'm sorry. They do have a yeah, they do have a lot of talent there. I, uh, you know, and we'll see. We'll see what the sanctions do. We'll see what the scholarship reductions do. Um, but you know, listen, recruiting through that mess was difficult, um, and recruiting after that the sanctions is difficult and. You know, for them to make early news because they were the early story of the day before Georgia started taking over the world and Clemson started dominating. Um, you know, it's a big deal. Alabama did get a couple guys. I mean, people aren't talking about it, but uh, Anoma and, and, and Barmore, two kids from the Mid-Atlantic area, are going to be probably stars there. I mean, Barmore is going to be a D-tackle. Anoma is a defensive end. Um but nobody seems to really talk about Alabama. I think they're sixth in our team rankings right now. It's just really weird to have any sort of signing day where Alabama is not talked about. Well, what's weird, and, and and yeah, they haven't been getting much attention, but look at their December. They got Savion Smith, former LSU corner, uh, Juco kid now, Josh Job, former Miami commit. Uh, Jerome Ford could be one of those running backs like Josh Jacobs that really didn't get much attention, was a three-star kid, not, you know, not the elite Najee Harris's of the world, but uh, you know, I trust Nick Saban's recruiting of, of running backs. And then Anoma, who people love, five-star raw kid, but super athletic and a, like a freak off the edge. And Barmore, any kid from Philadelphia is as tough as nails, if you ask me. So, uh, you know, they're fine. They're absolutely fine. And they'll, they're eighth. And, uh, you know, we're talking about Alabama here. Let's not worry about them at Most all. Most important commitment of the day was Emory Jones to Florida, at least in my opinion. If they'd struck out on him, I have no idea what would have happened. Um, you know, again, Felipe Franks is, he's okay. He's got a strong arm, but obviously we've, we worried back in high school about his decision-making and trying to use that strong arm to do a lot of different things. But he's not as mobile as Emory Jones. Emory Jones, I think, I don't, I'm not saying he starts from day one, but I think he's going to be a guy that has a, a very good impact there. And we all know what Dan Mullen can do with quarterbacks. They sold him on Tim Tebow. They sold him on Dak Prescott quite a bit, and it worked. Had they struck out on him after whiffing on Justin Fields when they had the lead after losing Matt Corral, I think things could have been really ugly on the whole inside the Gators message board. But they got their guy, and I think, again, quarterback's important. So to get a guy away from Ohio State like that, and uh, Dan Mullen got his guy. Yeah, it was a big gamble too because, you know, as that was going on, it looked like he was either gonna. It, it didn't look like he was gonna stick with Ohio State, but if he was to flip, it was gonna be to Alabama. And there was all that Demery Jones and Brenton Cox are both gonna end up at Alabama, and and as and into that last weekend. Then it was the Florida State smoke started coming in, and he's going to go to Florida State and all that stuff. So it was a big gamble, but one Mullen needed to make, and, and he hit it because uh, he can use that to his advantage. He's done phenomenally well with quarterbacks. And, you know, Tim Tebow, from Tim Tebow when he was at Florida, uh, Dak Prescott, who wasn't really a highly recruited kid, he made, uh, you know, into a fantastic quarterback, Nick Fitzgerald. Um, who really is not an altogether talented thrower, uh, you know, phenomenal athlete. And so uh, he's done well with different kinds of quarterbacks and he's done well with, with quarterbacks at different stops. So uh, Emory Jones made a really wise decision, I think, not only because he's going to a situation that was so bad on offense, it was, it was hard to watch even at times how bad they were 
not only a quarterback all over the field. Uh, you look on the message boards, there's Gators blocking each other. And I laugh every time I see it. Uh, but still, uh, they were so bad for so long on offense after urban left, um, that he's walking into a situation that absolutely it's, uh, you know, a, a lot of coaches say, Oh, every position's open, especially new coaches say that, but you know, it's not, but this is a situation where that job is up for grabs because if you can move the ball down the field, you could be a starter at Florida. And one other team we'd have to talk about as a winner on the day. I think they moved up probably 40 spots and that's, um, Tennessee. Tennessee, what Jeremy Pruitt's trying to deal with right now, which is coach a team in the playoff and put together a recruiting class. They're currently 28th in the country, just outside the top 25, but they added um, Dominic Anderson, the tight end that was supposed to go to Alabama initially and committed to Texas, then decommitted from Texas, then was supposed to go to Alabama again and ended up going to uh, to um, Tennessee. But you look at the additions, I mean, Jeremy Banks, Jerome Carvin, JT Shrout, Dominic Anderson, they had a big day for them uh, when he's juggling all this other stuff. And I think Anderson, who is compared to O.J. Howard athletically by some insiders at Alabama, is going to be an instant impact guy. They might have got their quarterback of the future, a kid out of California that you know all about. They got a big-time uh, offensive lineman from uh, Cordova that they needed uh, and a big-time running back. So, Tennessee moving up about 40 spots, uh, very important day for them. Yeah, great day for them. They had such a mess and things were just so all over the place during the coaching search. It was almost kind of embarrassing uh, how bad things were. And I'm sure that the recruits felt that and didn't know what the hell was going on and had no idea what was hap- was happening and all those kinds of things. Um but to, to get two four-star kids in state uh, on, on signing day, Dominic Anderson ha- has that kind of potential. You just look at him when he's meeting the coaches. He's just a massive kid, and he does kind of look like O.J. Howard. Maybe Austin Safarian Jenkins, that kind of just massive tight end who's going to be an immediate contributor, I would have to imagine. And J.T. Shroud is a kid who he plays at a high school with no not a lot of talent at receiver, so uh, he threw a lot of interceptions in his senior season, but I think it was more uh, just because he just had to throw the ball to something and and receivers just weren't there. At the quarterback collective camp in the summer, they were raving about this kid. Uh, media wasn't allowed in, but they said he might have been the best kid there. So, uh, you know, that 5'7 ranking is is more on the conservative side just because uh, he he only had one year of varsity starts and it wasn't a great year, but it was at a it was at a high school with without a lot of talent. So that's a kid, and and credit to Jeremy Pruitt for going out and getting him because Adrian Martinez had decommitted and committed to Nebraska, and they were without a quarterback. And uh, they offered Shrout, who had been committed to Cal and happily committed, he had loved it there and really struggled with that decision down the stretch. Uh, took a late visit to Tennessee, and I think he told someone that. When he got off the plane, someone said, welcome to Rocky Top, and, and it, it immediately struck him that this was kind of like big-time football now. I don't think that happens in Berkeley as much. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that credit to Jeremy Pruitt because he's he's juggling two jobs now and really closed really, really well. Yeah, and I think that can wrap it up. So how quickly do you unfollow the 2018 kids that signed? Because I, I, I stay following. If they're following me, 
I'll follow them on Twitter because down the road with the draft stuff we do and some of the other stuff we do for college football, I like to be able to stay in touch with them. I'm sure they're all unfollowing us right now, but do you purge your follower list? My my problem is I'm at 5,000. Oh. I, I don't know how you only stay at 3,100. 3, I'm, I'm at 5,000 because I'm the nut. I'm the nut who follows 21, 2021 kids, 2022 kids. You got to get in early. Yeah, but 3,100 is still so, a lot. Uh, if you look at guys like Woody, I mean, Woody just purges like crazy and, and follows like, I want to be one of those guys that follows like 100, you know, but I can't for my job. It's impossible. No, I don't, I don't want to be. See, if, you, if you're one of those guys, then you think too highly of yourself. Like Skip Bayless zero. follows zero yeah, or something like zero. that. Like I, I don't want to be that guy. I, I want to be a man of the man, people. Woody follows seven hundred and forty-five, so you know he's a perjurer. But he's not the most popular person in the world with everybody, so it doesn't really matter. I I, I follow thirty-one hundred. Gorney, you're just insane on Twitter. But I'm gonna I, I'm just gonna start following some of these kids that don't follow me that have signed, just in case they become NFL players down the line, and then I could say I know them because that's what I do. I'm 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 a star follower. A follower is the the word well, you use. Well, I can't there? use another word, so not uh, allowed okay. to. <laughs> not allowed to. Let's wrap this up. It's it's time for Christmas. Let's get the eggnog out. Who celebrates Christmas? It's like your birthday. You <laughs> eggnog celebrated is terrible. Your birthday, like you're eight years old. You celebrate Christmas. Christmas is dead. Christmas. There is no Christmas in the Farrell household. They're just work. It's all we do is work. <laughs> that explains so much. <laughs> That's yeah. That's the Christmas spirit right there. All right. Well, hey, before we get out of here, we should mention the Rivals Camp and Combine Series was announced today. Uh, So check out Rivals.com for information on that. If you know a prospect, these are completely free events. Uh, Make sure to tweet Adam Gorney and Mike Carroll about it. Let them know you want to go. Thanks, Dave. That's awesome, Dave. Merry Christmas to you, too. And we won't be doing a podcast for early next week (laughs) because it is Christmas because these losers celebrate such a ridiculous – it's the birth of Christ. That's what should be celebrated, by the way. No, you're not. That's what I'm celebrating. I'm not taking the Christ out of Christmas. You're celebrating the presents and Santa coming down the tree and all that other crap. But we're not going to do a podcast early in the week. Will we do one later in the week? I guess we could do one later in the week before we head out to the All-Star Games, right? I think we should. Yeah, we should do one That'll before be the All-Star that, I'm Games. I'm sure a lot of people will listen. Isn't that a company, uh, isn't that a company holiday? Uh, we're not allowed to work that day, isn't that right? <laughs> well, we're off technically tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday, Gorns. All right, so don't bother me for anything. Or Those I'll are company you. holidays, the 22nd, the 25th, and the 26th. So, uh, you know, get all your work done today. And at 4.30, you can slide down the dinosaur like Fred Flintstone and get out of here and just <laughs> stop working. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, guys. Everybody have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>